Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Talking the Groove with me, Bob Hill. For this episode, it is an enormous pleasure to talk with alto sax player, composer and songwriter, the wonderful Camilla George. Camilla's third album, Ibio Ibio, releases on Friday the 30th of September and is an exploration of her Ibibio heritage from southern Nigeria and features a veritable lineup of contemporary jazz artists from the UK and the USA. We discuss many topics from her writing and composing process, her influences, her collaborative choices and the importance of diversity in music. And I started by asking her about the title of the new album. We start off the album. Um, now, am I pronouncing this correctly? Ibio, Ibio. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I, I, I did my reading. I th- now this is where I'm going to first of all admit my ignorance. I thought that was because um, I've got a friend who's from who is an Ibo from yeah, Nigeria. it's close. It's close because it's still south Nigeria. Yeah, but it is a distinctly different set of people, is it? Yeah, right. it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. Ah, okay. Brilliant. All right. So. What I wanted to ask you is, um, I think we'll start, if we look at the album, the three albums you've got, mm-hmm. yourself as a, an artist, the evolution of of yourself as an artist through those three albums, and uh, are you, have you um, sort of charted any kind of evolution, have you noticed an evolution yourself as an artist and uh, as a musician? between the three albums, as they, which is why a span, span of about seven years, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I put out, obviously, I put out an EP in 2014, but I didn't even have to do it. So I think only the people that came to gigs actually got to hear that music. But um, from the first album was 2017. And that was, I mean, I've always written uh, about the my culture, particularly my African heritage. Um, But, um, and that was present in some pieces in the first album, but I think there's been an evolution towards more uh, like uh, embracing that and getting more into the stories um, that have interested me growing up. Like the second album particularly was about the book that um, I had when I was a child, The People Could Fly and those animal tales which are based on slavery. Um, and then with this third album, I've gone more into the Ibibio people and their culture, their, um, their creation myths, etc. So, yeah, there's been an evolution, I guess, in terms of like storytelling and also in, in terms of the music as well. And, and uh, with, the, with the latest album, with Ibio, Ibio, you said you're going into the culture and the, the creation myths as well. Did that idea come first um, and then the song, the, the music follows that? Yeah. And that's, I think that's what's, what happened, particularly in the second and this album, is just I did the, a lot of research first. And then I'd kind of already decided how I wanted the album to go. And then I went and tried to write the music to fit the bits the the elements that I'd researched um and uh, yeah that's that's always how I like doing it because I, I think on something that's quite 
I respond to imagery quite well. So if I know the story, then I can start, then I can write something to fit that. So, so okay, yeah, I understand. So the music is always, in this case, was a response to the images that your researchers conjured up in the sense. Exactly, yeah. Um, that's always been, I like doing that because it, it, it kind of puts you in a frame of mind, this piece is this, and then you have to find, you know, do your best to represent what you feel the piece is. For example, I wrote a tune about um, ECPE, the secret society, so I knew research about the secret society and then the job of me as a composer um in my little practice room is to try and find the right music to fit um the story I was intrigued. I was so intrigued about this idea of a secret society. I just, um, uh, when do you do you have any idea of what went on in this secret society? It's, uh, well, they still still functions. Like my granddad was in it, and his dad was in the secret society. I mean, they're called different things. So in our um, part village, it's called the Amama. And um, they're like responsible for a variety of things, law and order, um, and also kind of upholding the traditions of the ancestors as well. So it's like functional and then spiritual as well. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. And which really does lend itself to the telling of a story, which the track, the, the song actually, or the, the piece really does. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's that's basically how I like to write. 
I really, yeah, I, I can, I can really see how that comes together. That's that's brilliant. And what is uh, the first single? A Bassi sang. Uh, yes. What is that? What is that? Uh, what's the sort of English translation for that? So, uh, so we have a uh, God of Earth. Um, some people would say a song. It depends. Old in the old version of my language, it's an A. Um, okay. But modern they would use e song e song um okay. so it's uh it it's basically just a god of earth these two um tunes one is god of earth which is very lively and then mm. one is god of heaven uh abasi enyong and um that's a nice kind of i guess it's the most jazzy of of the pieces of the album <laughs> Thank you. 
those albums that uh that people will put on to listen to the whole thing mm. it's um and uh it, it, it's um, kind of like the when i was growing up people would talk about concept albums yeah where yeah. you kind of were supposed to listen to it from start to finish and i just think that this is one of those albums that mm. you don't put it on to you know you put it on to listen to from beginning to end it's, yeah uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it really works as a piece of storytelling oh thank you yeah it's a different approach because i know that now with streaming being such a big thing people write differently um they write for like it's like it's like sound bites like single 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 but i still haven't got round to that way of thinking <laughs> unfortunately i'm still very much in the kind of I like to create a long story with little chapters along the way. Yeah. Would would you um I mean would you class yourself more as a um a composer rather than a songwriter in that sense that you're creating a suite? Sometimes I definitely felt like this with this album, who knows what the next one will be. It might might be single 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 but um for this definitely for the approach for this album that was that was how i i thought of it mm. as a kind of suite of music that well, i wanted the tracks to flow into each other also because i knew that i would most likely be releasing it in vinyl um and i'm a big vinyl head so i like the idea that someone put it on vinyl and that's i think the ideal way to listen to this album yeah 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 yeah, the actual physical thing of putting it on the deck, putting the needle on, and then sitting back, and then twenty minutes later, turn it over for the rest of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and that's like yeah. I spend my life doing that, listening to like my vinyl collection, and that's you yeah. really, you know, that's that's a great form of listening. Obviously, it's I listen to it's nice to listen to music all the time, but I think that's a, there's a ritual with vinyl which I enjoy. So you must be well pleased that it is coming out with vinyl then. I am very pleased, yeah. And it's, uh, we've also done a limited edition vinyl, gold vinyl, which I'm very excited about because I actually don't have any coloured vinyl. So um, this will be oh, my right. first. Yeah. Really? So your first yeah. piece of coloured vinyl is my your own? coloured vinyl because a lot of the stuff that I have is um, from my dad's collection and then, mm. um, you know, stuff that I've picked up is old, old jazz uh, records mm. and none of them were on coloured vinyl unless they've been no. you know, kind of re-put out so I, I don't have any Well what what are we talking about from your dad's collection then um, if you were going to pick out five albums I'm going to put you I know I'm putting you on the spot here it's and I apologise but if you were going to pick five albums out from your dad's collection um, um oh let's see what uh Sunny Side Up, that's obviously going to be a classic. I'm just looking up here, I'm cheating a bit, but um, no, that's cool, that's good. If they're there, then in chat, um, and which is actually fine. Uh, yeah, there's a few, um, that I have here, and also what's cool is that he, um, wrote his name on the back of them because he used to take them to listening parties so you can like see his name on the on the back of the vinyl yeah oh, this wow. one looks new by sunny stit that's sunny stit on baritone um that's a great album um 
He's got, I was introduced to this, this um, alto player. I didn't know him until I started digging through um, his crates, but Sonny Chris, um, I'll catch the sun. Love Sonny Chris. I mean, I, I'm sure he, I hope he got like the just desserts that he, you know, that he deserved because he was a great alto player. Um, this one, which is a classic, uh, Coltrane live at the village Vanguard. I think that I think that's is that five. I think you got them. What I do is uh, at the end, I'm going to come back to you and just make sure I've written them down properly. Okay. Cool. Because I will, I will edit in some of the some of what we've just spoke about them. But that so those those ones you just uh, mentioned, then uh, I'm going to guess then have had some kind of influence on you as well. Yeah, um, I mean, as as a composer and a musician, I would have thought. Yeah, mainly all saxophone players, so no surprise that I suddenly decided I wanted to play sax. Um, Sonny Stitt, the Sonny Stitt albums, quite a few of his Sonny Stitt albums are Sonny Stitt on alto. Um, obviously, there's Sonny Chris as well, um, alto player. So I think that, uh, because uh, people often say, why do you play alto? Everyone plays tenor. Um, and I think that's that's why. Um, he also liked Jackie McLean as well. It's another alto yeah. player. Um, and it's that love of that music, you know, deep love of, of basically, um, yeah, jazz. I think that mm. has really influenced it. That's something that I don't want um, to be not visible in my writing, something I quite strive for. I, I like the, you know, embracing different um, genres, but essentially I see myself as a jazz musician and I like to write stuff that has meaty change chord changes in so that people can can blow over them and it's fun basically i'm always really keen on understanding um the decisions that artists make when they record an album about who they work with and um it, i find this what's going on at the moment with i mean i've even got my i don't know if you can see it but i've got my Oh uh, yeah, T-shirt on. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, you know, it's only when we, it's, it's only when you came on, I thought, oh my god, I've got my Tomorrow's Warriors T-shirt on. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm just looking at the list of people on your album, and it's just, it's an amazing group of artists. So it's just, we can talk about them as individuals, but in in a sense, as we as we go through this sort of next sort of set of questions, but how uh, how do you all know each other? You know, you got Sheila Morris, Ray Shirley, Tetter, Daniel Casimir, um, Rosie Tetter, and Sarah Tan. I mean, it's just it's a it's a who's who of today's jazz world. It is, yeah. I mean, I think it's Warriors. That's a, um, a place where I met quite a few people. Shirley, for, for, for sure, and um, Rosie and Sheila. Although I was at Trinity with um, with Rosie. Um, she was an undergrad there. Uh, um, I don't remember. I remember meeting Sarah at a Ronnie Scott's jam session. I think I met Dan at a gig with Gary Crosby and was like, oh, um, 
I think it's been, you know, the scene is so intermingled now, which is great. Um, we, we're all, I like the fact that everyone works with everybody else and there's like, a, you know, it's just a really, it's a really, really nice place to be. And I was very, very lucky to have been able to call those people to do the album. Mm. Um, because th these are, as you say, the who's who of the scene and the very best of players. Um, and I, yeah, very honoured to play with them, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you mentioned Le uh, Trinity. So that's Trinity Laban, isn't it? The yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's in South London, isn't it? It's in, um, yeah, so Greenwich by uh, Cutty Salt. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, um, it's that thing of what makes a scene. And uh, it really does seem to be then there needs to be venues, obviously. Mm. Uh, but they're always uh, one of the common things that I, I've really sort of noticed with jazz scenes is there's got to be a music school of some kind that, yeah. that, that, that promotes think... that kind of... yeah. But it doesn't have to be a conservatoire because I think and that's how you get things like where the Warriors position is because they really have funneled through a lot of talent and been the place where people have started and where they, you know, were able to rehearse for free with their bands or got the chance to have sessions with like your saxophone player, amazing players like Dennis Baptiste. Soweto, Nathaniel Facey, Jason Yard. I mean, if you're not good after that, then it's got no hope. You know, they they really, really have put a lot into kind of nurturing young talent. And I think at the root of all of this is is them. It has to be acknowledged. And the other things are fed into it. They've got great connections with Sirius, who are doing amazing things, programming all of us on there um their festivals and then you've got labels like jazz refreshed who have been extremely supportive of everything brownswood with giles um and it and then it branches out and it branches out and it branches out and i think that's how the scene grows and as you say then we have the venues and harking back to jazz refreshed you know they they were very important and they've restarted now but you know when they were at mau mau bar uh, that was a very, very important fixture because it was weekly. Being able to put that mm. on weekly um, was a big thing. And then you've got people like uh, George Nelson, who does Moments Notice, and that's a very interesting thing of kind of, um, you know, fanning out onto the scene because he put, curates these improvised nights where he brings together players from all different parts of the scene which again creates connections because it will be people that you, you never, you might not see. They might not be part of it if you're in the new UK jazz scene. It might be somebody that's outside of that and then suddenly you've forged a partnership. Mm. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing is networking, however that comes about, it really does encourage creativity Mm. doesn't it and that yes. and, and i guess uh yes. yeah events in, well they say the week the weekly event of jazz refreshed i mean it, the, i'm so pleased it's back because it clearly made a huge difference to people coming together and um 
and uh, having somewhere to go and some, you know, and weekly, as you said. I mean, there's not many gigs that are weekly. Yeah, and with, such with a high brand new music. Yeah, exactly. Weekly and and consistent, great players coming through and great gigs and a, and quite packed audience as well. It's great. Mm-hmm. And and how do you find audiences? Um, have audiences, if I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say evolved, that's the wrong word, but have audiences changed? Have they become, well, you tell me, how different are the audiences from, say, 2014 to now? Is, is there any um, difference in any change there? I think so. I mean, I think the audiences with, the, with this new UK scene, although... I guess some people think, think, oh, it only affects a certain amount of people, but I think it has a snowball effect. The guess, jazz being, you know, having kind of hit stars of jazz has created a younger audience um, and a more diverse audience. So I think that's the thing that's key. I mean, we, uh, we did a We Out Here festival last weekend, and that was it's quite clear to see, you know, like the... The audience is so different. People are younger than me, like being like, "Oh, I like just that." You know, it's like that. The music is reaching those people, and it's mm. reaching their older brothers and sisters. It's reaching their parents and grandparents, and I think that's why it's become so such a success um, mm. because they've really got a foothold in this like emerging, you know, kind of diverse audience, which mm. is something I hadn't seen before and I think I guess if I think back to just starting out and the audiences that I saw then I think there are there are much more women in the audience now than there used to be um, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah I you know and it's that thing of being able to see people who look like you in the, in the audience and because there are more I guess more girls playing as well it attracts uh, women to it because mm. they're like, oh, well, this is now, this is relatable. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I always remember um, in the 80s when I was, that was my sort of teenage years and my youth. Um, it was nearly all the sax players were men and mm. the people that had come before them, like Coltrane and so on, were all men. And the only female saxophone player I remember from that time was Candy Dolfer. Yeah. Um, who, you know, and uh, that was it. And now, just in the uh, UK scene alone, there's a, a whole list of people, you know, that uh, yourself and um, Cassie Kenoshi and Nubaya. And, yeah. And, you know, and, and you did. You go through that list and you realise you've sort of named five people before you even name a man. Yeah. And that's a massive change. It's a real change, yeah. It's a real swing. Um, and that's great. And the more there are, the more that will, it will attract. And, you know, and that, that's, it's, it's, it's a great change in the scene, I think. Uh, do you think that... Um... Because that change is happening, it makes you said it makes the audiences more diverse, which then will 
be a circular thing because more people will more diverse people will take up music because they can see people who look like them on the stage and it becomes a circular thing uh that it's gonna create more diversity on stage more diversity in the audience and then more diversity within the art itself the music itself yeah, I think so. I mean, the thing I noticed that we out here and another gig, oh yeah, I was playing with Jazz Jamaica in Montpellier the other day, the next day after we out here. It's the first mm. time I'd seen um, uh, kind of so many women um, in in tech, tech roles, as in like sound tech, um, mm. on stage. I mean, I'd never, usually it's always men, um, but uh, it, too, it just happened that two days running we had um you know women um doing the sound and that, mm. that's something i i've never and i think it's that's of it's obviously reached even reached to those levels which technically tended to be mostly male yeah 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 that, yeah that's right it's um there's there was a very I'm not going to say stereotypical, but certainly there was an archetype, an archetype male that generally did sound checks <laughs> and yeah. sound tech and would be on the mix sound mixing desk. And uh, yeah, I hadn't even, I must admit, I'd, I've noticed it without really thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. So stage, uh, I played, I did We Out uh, last year and the first one as well as a DJ. And, and it was, I found it, noticeable even that like the, the stage managers and uh that there were a lot more women than yeah than normal yeah yeah it's mm. um yeah it's uh it really opens up it, it opens up every part of the music business you know i think we're going to see a lot more uh again like music journalism was always very white and very male and mm. it's and it's not the same anymore you know, I, yeah. I, I go to events and I'm uh, I'm surrounded by different people, whereas you, 20 years ago, I was surrounded by the only the only diversity was really is they were probably a bit posher than I was, but other than that, they looked just like me, and everyone yeah. did. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Where do you think there needs to be? more diversity in the music industry is there a is there a part that still there's still need is there a glass ceiling still existing i mean i'm not aware but i'm i mean i think i'm very lucky so the the team that i work with mainly like my uh agent manager is, is is a woman and she's a very successful Woman, and then she, the teams that we've worked with, uh, worked another agent who's a, a younger woman, fantastic. So I don't know about in those in that world because I've only ever it, weirdly encountered um, women in that that's that sense. But I I suppose in it, you know in all of those fields there just still needs to be um you know, an acceptance of women. But I think it's it is so much better really looking back. Um it's mark remarkably different to mm, mm. as you say, like ten years ago, um, when we would have struggled, I mean, to find women 
musicians, mm. never mind other jobs in music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, well, and also, as I said earlier, a lot of the positions, it was, well, a lot of it was very white, including the audiences as, as well. I mean, I remember talking to Adam Moses about this, and he said that one of the reasons him and Justin set up Jazz Refresh was because they were going to jazz gigs and they were the youngest there and they were the only black people there apart from a, maybe one or two on stage. And he said yeah. that was, he said he, he couldn't get his head around how jazz had, had become so stale. And um, and that's why they started up Jazz Refreshed. And um, Yeah, I think it's so funny because it's, it's so so different say in New York um but in in the UK there was a period where it was just very very much like that lack of diversity amongst mm. artists amongst the audience amongst people in um artist support roles or anything like that um mm. sound tech roles um and I I do think it was as I said, I think, you know, things like Warriors and Jazz Refreshed, etc., have changed the, the field for that, mainly because they just created their own gatekeepers. And um, that meant that they could, they could then choose a different approach. to ask you about your uh, a bit more about your processes you said um with the with the album that you you do your research and you get the themes uh mm. and then you go away and you 
write the music and um it's the actual uh, the the compositions and and then uh, the recording with working with other musicians and and you co you did you produce it or co produce it I can't remember I co produced it with um, Tom Harrison who's a um, yeah so that great musician mm. so with a, with a co production for example uh, there's um, the vision for your piece of music how does it change and how does it evolve when you've got other musicians involved and you're co-producing um yeah so really that's those kind of processes just fascinate mm -hmm. me as a non-musician i just how something that starts off with just you then becomes something so much bigger, bigger thing, that involves yeah. so many people so well, um, i yeah, I was really lucky. I mean, me and Tom went to college together, um, both sax players, both alto players. Um, and as I say, Tom is is such an exceptional musician. So I think he could see things that sometimes I couldn't see. So that was really good to have his involvement. Also, he did a little bit of the writing because he um, he did some of the horn lines. We did the horn lines. Um, which I thought were, were beautiful. And we, I mean, a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into this album. Like it started off being like, oh, lockdown, I can finish this off and it's going to be great. And you know how everyone felt very, mm. you know, the first lockdown, like really positive. But, you know, I think it would be a lie to say it wasn't very stressful. Um, particularly because when I wrote the album, I didn't have a label or anything like that. We were just kind of like out on our own doing this this thing. And um, it, it, we had loads of sessions where we kind of got together and, and discussed it and planned it more. And also, even after it was recorded, um, the, the sound recorders, Luke, who um, works at... Um, Pizza Express Soho as well, doing the sound there. I've always liked the sound um, there. He, we, we used to have these like trio Zoom meetings where we'd go through everything with a fine tooth comb and be like, this stage here, this bit in the piano. Okay, we we might, yeah, we'll take that out. Um, we'll do this here, this here, this here, this here. Um, we always knew that the, especially because some of the collaborators, so I collaborated with a US drummer, Daru Jones, who's ridiculous, but obviously there was no budget to, and actually I don't think he could have done during COVID, but he wasn't coming out for um, my, for the um, recording. So once he'd recorded his parts, then it was looking at it again. And um, once Sanity had done her bits, it was looking at it again. And um, so it was just a lot of, um, chat, you know, we, we really kind of, we had a lot, it was a long process of trying to get the best that we could possibly get for the album. And I think we did it. Mm. Yeah. Well, so I've been listening to it today. I mean, it's just, it just sounds so good. It's uh, What I like about it as well is um, what you said earlier about making sure that the jazz is always visible in it. And it, 
and it really does come across. It's um, it's yeah, it's a, it's a if, if I if I'd been given the album without the uh, singles released as as a broadcaster, mm. I'd be struggling to pick which track I you know which track would I play on my show from this album because there's so because they're all all of them are there if you like. Wow, um, nice. And it's, 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 yeah, it's good. That's why I was so keen to understand the process because um, uh, I always get the sense with some, sometimes you listen to an album and you think, okay, there is an auteur behind that. There is one person laying down the law on that album. Um, yeah. But, um, I, just, I just sort of was keen to understand how, how your one came together because with certainly with the subject matter being so personal yeah i mean obviously the buck stopped with me but i i don't think it's right to say that it was you know i was just like this is how it's going to be this is how it's going to be i think that's how you make something you can make something good by taking on all the good bits that everyone has to offer um and that's how you how you you forge it you know forge something that's I, I think authentic and especially in some of the genres that I I mean I love hip-hop am I a hip-hop artist no so you know I you are I asked Daru a lot about certain feels etc because that's his thing and that's what he's an, he's an expert amazing hip-hop drummer mm. um, and I think that's always been the way for me is just you know, I don't know everything, so it's nice to to get other people's inputs as well. But yeah, ultimately, I guess it is my um, my vision. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, that's and um, that must be the thing is is to to be able to have that clear vision of what you want the album to be about and the stories you want the songs to tell, but then to bring in the ideas of other people to get it right there's is a kind of a generosity there as well I think Um, think, yeah I think it's also really lucky that everyone really took the time to understand what it was about everything and that's why everyone came and brought their a game um and why we had something that we could be proud of because everybody did do that
miss of the population. The population. Uh. We grew up with these tales. I'd rather make head of them than to shake them. Let my music be the fruit of knowledge, digest and taste. Recipe not for waste. Let us embrace them. Love like cooked food and passed down through generations. A journey across the sea and home's the destination. A soulless spirit to Okapong celebration. Being a minute, so forgive my pronunciation. <laughs> my bad. Set this route that I'm taking Swoop any loose roots causing frustration We're facing a change and the people need saving Waving for sun rays, the storms have been sailing The walls have been caving, but look, we're amazing We still rise, strength of the ancestors' praises Pass through the ages, transfer my heart onto pages Cannot be silenced, we're faded Knowing the true power within And it led me on a path to know the beauty of my skin And the beauty of the history beyond what class was giving me And now I'm on a quest for my tribe Tipping around my city with a step full of pride Nigeria on my mind, eagerness in my eyes Mother land by my side, the oceans cannot deny It's when I close my eyes I can fly It's when I close my eyes I can fly I can fly uh, Fly away to the creation Beautiful myths of the population We grew up with these tales I'd rather make head of them than to shake them Let my music be the fruit of knowledge Digest and taste Recipe not for waste Let us embrace them Let us embrace Let us embrace them Let us embrace Yeah, 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 yeah uh, The creation Let us embrace.